It's a peaceful day in space. The sun is shining, the satellites are orbiting, and the International Space Station is the only sign of life in the lower orbit. Suddenly, a defunct piece of a rocket crashes into an active satellite. A country loses their weather forecast as an explosion of debris flies out into space. And then another satellite is hit, breaking off more pieces of varying size junk. Weather forecasts stop, communications go dark, and financial systems grind to a halt without access to the ultra-precise timekeeping provided by GPS satellites. Our world relies on satellites to connect and function more than you probably realize, and filling the lower orbit with space junk that renders it unusable is a potential reality if we're not careful. I'm Jacqueline Swan, and this is Technality a podcast that explores how technology is shaping our lives and the future we're heading towards. And today, I'm a little worried about cleaning up space junk. Have you been in a place where the dark sky before like really dark i grew up middle of nowhere ontario so i'm used to dark okay meet more bizarre i grew up in um, caracas on a good night i'd see the moon and so when i went to montana and i saw those skies where i could see like the milky way with my naked eye it was like life-changing i came across jacques quite a bit while researching space junk He's an aerospace engineer and space environmentalist. I'm also a co-founder and chief scientist for a company called Privateer Space. Now, when you think about environmentalism, space is probably the last place that comes to mind and the last one you actually care about cleaning up. But someone needs to speak for the trees and Ja is the one for that role. We use systems every day that rely on space, like position, navigation, timing, climate change. In fact, the whole Russian war on Ukraine We'd have no clue about what damage is being done or who is trying to move troops where if it weren't because of data provided uniquely by space-based platforms. So satellites give us information about us. It's like space is humanity's mirror. We know more about us because of space. So the the problem with the debris is that we can't necessarily predict where the the debris is going to be at any given point. A piece of junk might slam into one of these satellites that's providing this critical information, then it's game over. Then we don't have that capability anymore. When I was studying to become an aerospace engineer, I I went to school at Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University in Arizona. And my advisor there, my mentor, he had studied orbital debris. But I'm like, that's got to be the most unattractive thing to study is like garbage in space. Like, what is that? Who cares? So I just wanted to focus on understanding how things moved in space. And after I went to grad school at University of Colorado, the job that I got was to navigate spacecraft to Mars. So I got my dream job. Sometime in around 2004, I took my family to Maui. They fell in love with the islands and they said, look, this NASA stuff is interesting, but we want to move to Maui and NASA doesn't have a thing on Maui, but the Air Force Research Lab does. And so I ended up getting a job with the Air Force Research Lab. And that's when I became acquainted with all the junk orbiting the earth. And it was like, wow, out of several tens of thousands of things orbiting the earth, it's like 96% of everything that humans have put into orbit that we track is garbage. And that was alarming to me. And so that's where I started becoming a space environmentalist is kind of seeing that disparity and making the links between ecological sustainability on the land, air and ocean 
with space. He makes some very good points about why even earthbound humans should care. You know, my biggest challenge is there's a lack of empathy for the problem. And so I think that technology and innovation, we need to invest there. But part of the purpose for Privateer is to really try to motivate the creation of empathy across humanity towards this. You know, empathy is like the ability for people to project themselves into different perspectives and resonate with, resonate and understand the pains and struggles of others. And I just think that we don't have enough of that. You know, people kind of think of the space debris problem at best when they have awareness, they're like, oh, well, who cares about that? That's for somebody else. That's for a government or whatever. And so what I'd love to be able to show to people is how interconnected things are and that the sky is common to all of us. And the problems that we see in orbit are things that could affect everybody's life. And I think if I could be successful in finding a way to tell the story in such a compelling way to motivate people to have an inner shift and be able to project themselves into this perspective, then I think I have a chance to gain their empathy. And if I can gain their empathy, then we can actually solve the problem. What really strikes me about Ja's motivation is his passion for how the Earth is connected and how humans need to work together with each other and Mother Nature to survive. And that includes Earth's lower orbit. But I'll let him explain this relationship a little better. My whole thing of becoming a space environmentalist really was looking at the juxtaposition between our space garbage problem and what we've done to the Earth, land, air, ocean. Living on Maui, I saw how you know Native Hawaiians have been displaced by Western civilization and colonization, and their ideas of interconnectedness and stewardship got abandoned by local governments. The outcomes of being owners of stuff in many ways has been detrimental to the environment. So I was, I was in Alaska, had a spiritual moment uh, showing my son Denali where his name came from, and I could see similar things with Native Alaskans and, and everything else, and I felt kind of taken by a presence of sorts. It felt very, felt very old. I felt a deep love there. And it's almost like in my mind's eye, I saw humanity's history flashing in front of my eyes and this abandonment of this idea of stewardship, but how different pockets of humanity still embrace that. And, but it was disappearing quickly. So to me, traditional ecological knowledge, knowledge, held by like the Diné, the Navajo, Inuit, Maori, and others. If they don't cooperate with Mother Nature, they don't live. We should think of things that way. Like we, we have to cooperate with Mother Nature or else we're not gonna make it. Now, there's this concept called Kessler syndrome. It theorizes that man-made objects will overrun the lower atmosphere to the point they start colliding into each other. Eventually, this perpetual collision of space junk will break everything apart and render the lower atmosphere unusable. So, no more satellites or spaceflight, just a self-perpetuating field of trash circling the Earth. This is a reality that some space scientists fear, but Ja doesn't necessarily believe it. He has a different worst-case scenario. Don Kessler, many years ago, he worked for NASA's Orbital Debris Program Office. I think he was like the first chief scientist for that. He basically predicted that unless things change, the space debris problem would grow to the point where even if you didn't launch anything else, 
there would be this cascading effect where debris on debris would collide and create more debris. And it's this runaway effect and that, you know, portions of space would become unusable because of such a cascading effect. That's the, this idea behind the Kessler syndrome. I'm actually not a subscriber to Kessler syndrome. Kessler syndrome tends to be more alarmist than realist. The reason that I don't subscribe to that is because everything that I've seen in mother nature so far is that mother nature has its own cleansing mechanism and always seeks states of equilibrium and things can be reversible. I don't know, with like COVID, when people weren't traveling, oh, all of a sudden you can like see all the way through the canals in Venice. All of a sudden you can like see animals that never came out of the woods. We're now coming out of the woods and interacting and blah, blah, blah. So it's like in the absence of human input, nature seeks her own way to reach stability. And so I think that even if we didn't launch anything else, nature would find a, an equilibrium point. And because we have all the evidence that that's what mother nature does. But the thing that we should take heed of is that there is a finite carrying capacity to any given orbit. And when we launch satellites, we don't launch things in like random orbits. We put things on specific orbital highways and these orbital highways are becoming more and more saturated to the point that some of these orbital highways could become unusable because they can't carry more traffic. So I think that's the thing that's real is a saturation of this orbital carrying capacity and not necessarily the Kessler syndrome, but look, space can become unusable because we have too many things in a specific orbit. Now, there are policies in place for space companies to avoid this potential crisis, but governments have more pressing matters to be enforcing. My next thought is there has to be a central body overseeing all of this, right? No, and so that is, that's one of the things that I'm, I'm trying to do with privateers. Can we motivate a bottoms-up approach where we are inclusive, meaning we bring in diverse voices with decision-making authority and just say, hey, look, we'd like to achieve a common practice. Operations can't be common if knowledge is, is not common. So common practice follows from common knowledge, and we don't have common knowledge across humanity on space operations. And so part of what I'm trying to do is capacity building and education so that we can make the knowledge more common to lead to common practice. In space, the only way to achieve common practice is to have common knowledge. And currently knowledge about space operations is uneven across humanity. You know, with any finite resource, when people are just acting independently without knowledge of how other people are acting, like that's the clear recipe for tragedy of the commons. There's something called the space sustainability rating that was developed out of the World Economic Forum and Phase one was actually something that I participated with, part of UT Austin with Rice Technologies, MIT, the European Space Agency. Now, there's a university in Switzerland, EPFL, that is leading phase two. So this space sustainability rating is meant to incentivize behaviors that leads to sustainability of space. Privateer is going to subscribe to that and, be, and, and get rated as part of that process. We also have debris mitigation guidelines globally, part of the UN. We're going to subscribe to that. So all the things that people are saying, hey, if you do these things, they're going to help the environment. Privateer is going to subscribe to that in its own satellites and satellite operations. Of course, where governments fail to clean up the trash, there's always private citizens with good intentions to pick up the slack, which is where Privateer came out of. Their mission currently is to catalog and improve the data collection on space junk, 
Policymakers and companies can then use it to not only monitor debris, but be more aware about being respectable space citizens. Privateer is really kind of like an operationalization of my research endeavors and ideas. And it's founded on this idea that everything is interconnected and stewardship is what all of us should embrace as if our lives depended on it because they do. And that action is really best when it comes from a place of compassion. It's empathy. And it's saying the world needs a platform that has knowledge that can help people be safer in space, help people be more secure in space, and basically lend itself to the long-term sustainability of the space environment. So Privateer is that platform that provides knowledge to a wide variety of people to help them do those things. We're taking advantage of all the data and information available. We're actually gonna buy data where it makes sense to add to that. But additional to that, we're gonna have our own sensors. Some of them are gonna fly on other satellites and some on our own to just add to that wealth of information. So, so we wanna be data and information saturated. We believe that if we can add our own layer of space-based sensing, in a way that is responsible, that doesn't contribute to space debris, but we're doing in a way that meets debris mitigation standards as dictated by scientists around the globe and that sort of stuff. Like there's a responsible way that we can operate in space. For those of us who aren't space scientists, but are interested in helping his cause, I asked Ja if he had a message for the audience. The simplest thing, right, is just to contact elected officials and just say, hey, this is the problem. I acknowledge it as a problem and I feel it's my problem, it's our problem do something about it in a measurable way that's transparent and blah, blah, blah. So I think that's like low-hanging fruit. But I think even beyond that, to be honest, talk to your friends and family about this stuff and just say, hey, I talked to this dude out in Austin and this is what he's trying to do. You know, this is this is really what's at stake, blah, blah, blah. It's connection with humans, right? I mean, at the end of the day, that's what we need to do is connect with humanity. I think there's a lot that you could do just by connecting to other humans and Letting them know how you feel about this and that this is a thing. I really like this idea that we're all connected. The actions of our fellow man affect all of us. So while you might not have a trash picking stick that will reach space, you can help start the conversation. Because if we lose access to our lower orbit, we're going to lose access to a lot more on Earth. Thank you for listening to Technality. It's hosted and produced by me, Jacqueline Swan. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you want more content about where our future is going, head over to Technality's YouTube page.